This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Homes.com has got you covered with a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Today on State of the World, the Israel-Hamas ceasefire ends and fighting resumes. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they're happening. It's Friday, December 1st. I'm Greg Dixon. After a pause in fighting in Gaza for a week, Israel and Hamas have resumed hostilities. Hamas again fired rockets into Israel, and Israel conducted airstrikes in Gaza. In a few minutes, we'll check in on hospitals in the Gaza Strip to see if there was any improvement during the pause. But first... To understand why the fighting has resumed, NPR's Eleanor Beardsley in Tel Aviv spoke with Mary Louise Kelly. What happened? Why did the ceasefire break down? Well, Israel accused Hamas of violating it by shooting rockets overnight. And Hamas says Israel refused its latest offer of a hostage prisoner exchange. So at 7 o'clock this morning, the truce was over. And within the first hours, Israel said it struck more than 200 targets in Gaza. And Gazan health officials said at least 100 people had been killed. An Israeli army spokesman spoke in Arabic in a message on its Telegram and YouTube channel telling Gazans that Hamas is using them as human shields and hiding among them. And the army published an interactive evacuation map to show civilians how to get away from targeted areas. But with internet, cell service, and electricity going out all the time in Gaza, it's not sure how effective that would be. Israel also dropped leaflets urging civilians to leave areas that were being targeted. But, you know, Mary Louise, in the first couple months of the war, we saw Israel still striking areas it told people to go to, so we don't know if any area is safe. And just what does it feel like where you are? What, what were you seeing? What were you hearing today? Well, Today felt a lot more tense. Uh, you know, for days we've been seeing these videos on, on television and on social media of these joyful uh, reunions of families with, with the hostages and the prisoners who have been released. And today I heard booming in the sky over Tel Aviv. That was the Iron Dome air defense system kicking in to shoot down rockets, and it sounded like thunder. Yeah. And I took a trip to the south today, Yeah, and we saw smoke puffs in the sky where rockets were shot down. And there were several announcements on the car radio of incoming rockets. And just a few miles away in Gaza, NPR's longtime producer Anas Baba said just as people were starting their day, Israel started bombing. He says he saw a house hit. Here he is. Families that's neighboring the the target house, most of them, they were just like screaming in the streets. uh, And their faces are covered with dust, with the gray dust. Uh, they were screaming that uh, we didn't we we didn't know anything we didn't uh, we didn't understand what's happened. And Eleanor, what are Israelis you're speaking with saying? What is their understanding of the situation? You know, here in Tel Aviv, um, you have many of the families of the hostages, and they gather daily to demonstrate. And they are saying that the top priority should be getting all of the hostages out before the war continues. But I was in the southern city of Beersheba this afternoon, and people were much more resolute. This southern city is a place that has been consistently targeted by Hamas rockets over the years. And this is what 46-year-old Solomon Elhanov told me just outside of a shopping mall. I think that... 
He says, we have to finish this story because we've been suffering for many years and this has to be the end of Hamas in Gaza. He said the time has come to deal with it once and for all. He said, we have one of the strongest armies in the world and there's no other option. And Eleanor, we have been tracking U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's visit to the region all week. He was just stepping on a plane to leave when this truce ended. Is that right? Absolutely. You know, the U.S. has been pushing both sides to extend the truce, but today the fighting started up again. NPR's Eleanor Beardsley reporting today in Tel Aviv. Thank you. You're welcome, Mary Louise. Before the week-long pause in fighting, hospitals in Gaza were in bad shape, overwhelmed with patients and running low on supplies. There was hope that the ceasefire would give them a chance to catch up. Again, with the help of NPR Gaza producer Anas Baba, Brian Mann has this report on the state of Gaza's hospitals. This morning, as Israeli bombs started falling again, NPR producer Anas Baba was able to visit one of the hospitals still operating in Rafa in southern Gaza as families brought in their wounded and their dead. Lots of people were around, and there's an a child, and the father is holding him at the moment, crying. At least 40 uh, injured people are getting treatments from the uh, the medical crew in Rafah. Before fighting resumed, medical workers were telling NPR the week-long ceasefire had done little to shore up the collapsing hospital system in Gaza. Dr. Rana Abdul-Jawad works in the ICU at the Nasser Medical Complex in Kanyunas in southern Gaza. Speaking to NPR earlier this week, she said everything was in desperately short supply. Supplements, uh, fuel, and uh, manpower. Uh, all patients have a high risk and need attention. Uh, then if you lost power, uh, they will die. Dr. Mohammed Yasuri also works at Nasser Hospital in the emergency room. Speaking before today's resumption of fighting, he said the number of wounded and displaced persons seeking help was already overwhelming. The condition of this hospital is so bad because we are loading everything on our shoulders. According to Gaza's health ministry, tens of thousands of Palestinians were wounded in the first phase of the war before the seven-day truce. Yusuri said they lacked proper equipment to help many of those people. We have many amputation cases. We can save life or save organs if we have enough medical equipment, but we haven't. The United Nations has documented cases during this war where hospitals in Gaza have been hit directly by Israeli fire. In a statement sent today to NPR, Israel's military acknowledged suffering caused by disruptions to hospitals. Israeli officials blamed the crisis on Hamas fighters, who they say have placed command centers inside medical facilities. Dr. Margaret Harris with the World Health Organization in Geneva said the end result is millions of Palestinians with nowhere to turn when wounded or sick. This is a man-made catastrophe. It looks like an earthquake, a famine, and a massive epidemic. And these are all created by man. In addition to war trauma, the WHO has documented a huge spike in illness in Gaza, more than 100,000 cases of acute respiratory infection since October 7th, and more than 36,000 cases of diarrhea in children under the age of five. Harris says during the pause in fighting, relief trucks and ambulances did arrive in Gaza, but it was nowhere near enough. She predicted things will continue to get worse until this war ends. The only logical answer is a a true ceasefire. Instead, there's now more fighting. Speaking before the truce collapsed, Dr. Mohammed Yasuri in the Nasser Hospital's emergency room sounded desperate. 
As a doctor, I have one message. We are in a catastrophe, disaster. He said there was nothing more they could do to keep their patients safe. They had already run out of supplies and options. With Anas Baba in Gaza, I'm Brian Mann, NPR News in Tel Aviv. That's the state of the world from NPR. For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash updates. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley.